0: Hey guys, this is And The Writer Is, with Ross Golan. I've written with hundreds of writers and artists over the years, and my favorite part of each session is the first hour when we catch up about life and the industry, politics, composition, whatever. If you ask me, songwriters are some of the most worldly and intelligent people I've ever come across. So this is a journey of learning why people write songs, how people write songs, and most importantly, who the people are who write the songs. I'm co-producing this with my friend Joe London, who's nominated for a Grammy this year. He records every interview and makes sure we sound like angels. So if you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast listening site is.
1: Post your free job on
0: linkedin.com slash achieve today. If you want to hear the songs from the writer in this podcast, make sure to check out our playlist on Spotify. It's and the writer is or go to our website andTheWriterIs.com, com and you'll be able to listen to the songs there. That way you can follow along with the conversation when we get into talking about certain songs. Anyway, so this guest this week is Justin Tranter, He's probably the hottest writer in the music business. We did this interview less than two months ago, and since then he's released the Imagine Dragons single Believer, Julia Michaels' debut single Issues, Maroon 5's single Cold featuring Future, and Linkin Park's single Heavy featuring Kiara. And he's even joined the National Board of Directors for Glad. So he's basically impossible to keep up with, but that's what makes him great is that he's actually an influencer in both fashion and in music and when i say music he's influencing artists he's influencing writers he's a big part of the lgbtq community he's a big part of a lot of people's lives out here so we're really excited to have him a uh, couple things that you should know about this podcast as you listen. We talk about Rivers, who's from Weezer, it's Rivers Cuomo. We talk about Tricky Stewart, who did songs like Single Ladies and Umbrella. And we talk about Katie Vinton, who is a publisher at Warner Chapel, who is instrumental in breaking both of our careers. We talk about Joe Jonas, the lead singer of DNCE. We talk about Matt Manner Robin, who's a production duo he works with often. They did uh, hits with DNCE and Selena Gomez, and most recently the new Imagine Dragons single. We talk about Raja, who's Raja Kumari, who was his co-writer on Fallout Boy's Centuries. Again, if you enjoy this podcast, please take the time to rate us on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast listening site is. And if you want to follow along to the music, go to our Spotify playlist, which is on our website, andtheriteris.com. Thanks again, and here is And The Writer Is. (laughs) Welcome to And The Writer Is. I'm your host, Ross Golan. Today's writer is an influencer. He started as a frontman of a band that toured with Lady Gaga, and he's also been a stylist and a fashion trendsetter, which explains how he has set trends in the pop music community as well. His advocacy, politics, and generosity are infectious and inspiring. And the writer is my fellow theater school classmate from 1987, Justin Traner. <laughs>
1: theater school classmate from 87 makes us sound like we graduated college in 87. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes
0: us sound really old. No, yeah, no, we, no. Were seven, <laughs> we were seven. We were seven. We right, were seven years old. Seven, which um, we haven't matured all that much since then. <laughs> but you were saying right before we were, um, you know, we could go into the, the theater school, but I am inter- actually interested in you finishing your thought. Um, we're talking about how, you know, radio is going to be gone in five years. Ish, um, five-ish, you know. What... I, I think you're
1: right, but why do you say that? Well, I mean, it's a weird thing, right? Because I actually do love radio. I love getting—I in... I don't know how to drive, so I love getting in an Uber. I don't get in my own car, but um, I love getting in an Uber and like hearing the radio. And they always sure. have like hot AC on in Ubers, sure. which is like fabulous. Like, oh, this is like what like housewives listen to. It's always nice to like sure. hear and educate. And um, but I just think that you know kids are. It's just a proven fact that they're listening to radio less and less. Um, radio still is currently the best way to break a record. Radio right. still is king. But I think that just
0: pretty soon, um, I mean, I think you're right. My my thing is like, is the, um, I, and we'll get into this too, but is Trump America listening? They're not listening to this podcast either. Do you know well, what I mean? Like, but they're America, probably though, we listening all to also, radio. Also,
1: as liberal people, we have to always remember that we won. Right. So, just because Trump, the system that was to protect slave owners, elected Donald Trump, right. doesn't mean that this country is Trump supporters.
0: No, no, no. I know, so, but I'm saying that, if, if, that uh, if 43% of the country listens to radio and, you know, and they're unlikely to progress, then right. it's not like radio dies completely or does it. I think or, it, well, I mean, if we're actually going to talk about Trump's
1: America, he's going to destroy all major media. Interesting. So, radio's definitely going to fucking die. Interesting. How does his influence change radio?
0: Uh,
1: well, I think his influence already is changing the way that everyone respects major media and radio right. is a major media. So, right. I mean, actually, and to your point, like, not, well, actually, to every point, like, the, the super duper Trump supporters definitely aren't listening to the radio.
0: They're, oh, listening, they're, or they're listening to crazy, right. crazy,
1: they're listening to podcasts, just really crazy ones.
0: Interesting. About, right. like, you know, sure.
1: killing gay people and black people and, you know, Nazism. So, I think that in Trump's America, actually, radio will die out even faster. Right. Um, so the point being that uh, as songwriters, because, you know, if you don't own the master or uh-huh. if you don't, you know, producers will have a, a, a royalty, some sort of royalty point on right. the master. As songwriters, we don't have that. Radio right. is our f- best friend. Radio right. is the only way that songwriters make money. Right. Um, without radio, we all have to get smart and figure out yeah, how the hell we're going to make money off of it. And I guess that, one of those ways is to fight the system and make sure that streaming starts paying us, which it isn't. Spotify's fault; it's the label's fault. Everyone wants to blame Spotify because it's really hard to like blame your friends at a record label, but it's their fault. Um, they're the ones who have the deals with Spotify, and
0: they're the ones that aren't sharing with any of us how much they're actually making. Sure, there's there actually a lot of money. There was all right. I, I'm not a huge fan, and he if he listens to this, I'd, I'd be happy to have him on. But I'm not a big fan of Bob Lefsetz because I think he's. He's so old school and he's such not a progressive. When but also- his, his comment when he talked about this was that there's so much money in the music industry and if you're going to complain as a songwriter, it's because you're not really realizing that um, you can, or basically, you can essentially complain your way through the next twenty years about it's, how good it used to be. Yeah. but there's a lot of money to be made, and you could do something like start a podcast. You right. can do something like do a, a deal with whoever and and create your own masters. Exactly. I mean, so there's no doubt that there's money to be made. Yeah, you just have to find well, it. Well, no, and complaining
1: about you know blaming the internet. For ruining the music business is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We ruined the music business. Well, we didn't. We were all struggling songwriters. I I didn't have a fucking penny to my name until a year ago. But the internet's the greatest tool since the wheel. And if the music business couldn't figure out how to make money off of the fucking wheel, then that's their fault. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Everyone has made billions of dollars off the internet it's the label's fault for not catching up. They're stuck in their ways because it's a total boys' club and they thought that the boys' club was always going to be there for them. Right. But then actually the geeks on the computers who hate the boys' club beat the system. So... That the issue, the issue lies with not wanting to progress. So for me, it's like I'm so interested in other ways to, to find the money. And I think the other, the other issue too is to never complain. Like, there's nothing worse than like when they send songwriters to Washington, D.C., they send songwriters with hits, which is the dumbest thing you could ever do. Because rich people complaining about not being richer is horrifying. Right. When, and I, actually, there, I'm a I mean, huge fan of Title, Title's amazing. But when a bunch of Multi, multi-hundred millionaires right. got up there and said, like, we're gonna launch titles so that we can finally really get paid. And it's like, um, wait, we can all Google your net worth, which is probably like somewhere close to the truth. Like, you aren't you should be complaining. The thing, like, if I was ever to ask to go to DC to speak about songwriting issues and blah, 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 I would bring like a a brand new songwriter with me. Someone who had like some fierce girl who in her basement put a song on Spotify and got Two hundred million streams. I bring her with me and be like, "Sure, you want to help the middle
0: class? Make sure this girl gets paid." We've talked Cause, about because <laughs> I, I went, I went to DC and I talked to a few people, and and I'm like you, like I, it's, uh, you know, not that long ago, I'm foreclosing on a home. Right. So like to be in this place is really shocking how fast that switches. Yeah, and to go and. Um, at least, sort of tell that story right. helps to be to say, but that um, it's fortunate that I sell air for a living and that I'm probably on the cut. <laughs> I'm probably one of those last people to make a living off of radio, yeah. you know? But, um, you know, what we wanted to do is bring people who had had a hit that they knew right. that are currently driving Uber stuff because that's good, it, you know. To essentially show that the depreciation of the the value of music yeah. rather than showing cause there was always people who were struggling. Right. And who were never making money. Right. And and actually there's more money to be one of the issues is this. The studies have shown that with Spotify and with Apple Music that certain copyrights are gonna last longer. Right. Because the the trail's gonna be a lot longer because let's say that you look up um, you know, Flirt a lease and you just look up well what's you know, you type in Mozart, this pops up, and um and, and it's gonna be whatever's been most played, people keep clicking on it. Of course. And they'll click on it in perpetuity. Right. So that copyright's gonna keep making well that not a copyright copyright, but that recording's gonna yeah. make money in perpetuity. Right. So songs like sorry or whatever, you know, yeah. the ten hits you have this year, those are still gonna have a longer trail. Right. It's just they're not as valuable. Right. Well, the so the guy the girl at home like if you talk I don't know if you've um, I was working with Lewis child uh-huh. you know and they're 19 years old right brilliant and to them yeah. they don't see any problem in the music industry right. Cool, because they own they, those masters. They own their masters uh, and they yeah. they basically created everything from from yeah. scratch at home and they're like, "Wow, well, you can break from Well, cuz here's the
1: thing. There is no issue Weneca, with
0: Illinois. There is no issue with the music business. There's an issue with the record
1: business because records are over. Right. So that's where the in the, the music business. The music business is amazing. Right. The record business is over. And yeah. it's we love labels. Yeah. Labels have changed our lives. Labels are fucking awesome. We just labels have to progress they have to they have to treat the people right who deserve to be treated right and they have to start being forward thinking sure. also the last thing i want to say in the issue too is like the it's not that i want more money of course it's that it's why is some businessmen who didn't create this piece of work why are they making my money that's the issue i want that money so that my dad can stop working i want that money so that i can give more to the aclu i want that money so i can give more to the hrc right. and glad i want that money because why do they do- and so that's where i think people get mad like i do i was like rich songwriters shouldn't complain about being richer however my point is like but why does some executive in right. sweden get my money like that's weird like i like so like he's he can have it all but i can't complain like that's where the weird
0: did you see the that lawsuit said. that happened from Irving Azoff this so week? So About, yeah, I mean, 4% of radio revenues going to, you know, to songwriters and no other business really works that way. It's too bad that all this stuff happens, you know, after a year like this. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of wish this happened two years ago. Well, so is, that way when we you could have. You fight for it. Yeah. No, it know. is
1: it is hard, but also it's hard to even talk about this stuff when, like, you know, we're entering a Nazi era. You know, like right. It also so it makes me feel really dumb, like even complaining about the music business, right? Sorry, like, the record business,
0: intellectual property is not the priority of this president no, or this it's not. Congress, and it's right. like
1: you know, it was tough when when um, there was the the big thing with the DOJ and, sure. and songwriters and and all the different stuff for the Irving A stuff. Like I can't share that on my on my Facebook feed or on my Twitter. I just signed up for Twitter because I hate it, but I just had, yeah. I just, because everything's yeah. happening in the world, I had to do it. But like, I can't share those things because like, that's not the issue. You know, like I was just home, uh, for my mom's 70th birthday, which is amazing. And my happy family birthday. is extremely, yeah, mom's mom, happy birthday. Uh, my family is like extremely progressive and extremely liberal. And I'm so insanely grateful to be born into that family, being the person that I am. But we have lots of family friends who we love who actually voted for Trump and
0: that's so shocking and just not that to- not that look because obviously the shocking part you know we can we can blame a lot of people and the media is at fault for more than the maybe the worst part of this whole thing is that trump the whole time was right when he was like the media is liberal they totally didn't even notice that they were losing and no. like it's it's shocking that uh but it's, the it's still media shocking actually, that we didn't know but the media
1: was stacked against hillary she, more than any politician, she had twice as many negative stories reported oh, right. on and published on her. Right. So, like, the media is liberal, but they're, they still hate women. You know, so it's like if it's if, still a, it's
0: like let's go back because it's, it's just <laughs> so it's so it's clear. You know, you, um, we grew up probably about thirty minutes from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I grew up in a fairly homogenized area. You know, Chicago's right. super segregated. It's like white and black, and there's, like, a line in the middle. And um, I grew up in an area where it was almost all Jewish, and then there were, like, a couple of black families that were children of professional athletes. Right. So, you know, all things considered, it was a really white area. Right. You know, where you were raised... Must have been even whiter because you're further from the city. I yeah. think, right. It was, it was and it was just probably like a, more conservative. It was
1: like farmland. Yeah, my parents were um, two of four registered Democrats in our
0: like district. That's crazy. Really crazy. Why, how did they? Why would they live there if they were? Um, just because they I mean, found of, like a piece of land that they could afford. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite things is when people said that they would they want to move out of the country. If Trump wins, someone said, no, you moved to a swing state.
1: Right, so you, like, if you re- Yeah, if
0: you really yeah. want to do something, you don't go to yeah. Canada, you go to Missouri. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah, so we were
1: like, it was like, you know, literally like a pig farm across the street. Um, now it's all like just gentrified suburbs, but sure. when I was a kid, it was a literal pig farm, which is yeah. so chic, like yeah. me, like at yeah. a pig farm is glamorous, yeah. but um, <laughs> I went to high school downtown, so uh-huh. in the in the farmland, I got, the bullying was so fucking bad, like Act like like bad like physically bad. So, my fresh I went to one semester of uh, public school for freshman year, and the, the bullying was the worst that had ever been. It was my whole childhood. But at that moment, it was like, were horrifying. you already out at that point? I wasn't out, but I was like, it was
0: clear. Just I was exactly who I How am. How old were you when you when you like were when you were you know in second grade? Were you like, oh yeah, I like guys?
1: Um, I never really like had the full on realization, but like I would definitely like have crushes on guys but just not understand what it was sure Um, and I was always like very very proudly typically gay like obsessed with Annie obsessed with The Little Mermaid obsessed with the well they're also great
0: musicals yeah (laughs) I'm also obsessed with them but you know so like you know yeah
1: Um, so but the bullying was so bad that then I got luckily my parents were like well there's an arts high school downtown that from the theater school that you and I went to as kids I knew two girls that went to that arts high school Um, so I, they were like, let me go cause they weren't going to let me go until maybe my junior year because like to put a 14 year old on the train for an hour each way every day, they thought that was dangerous. But then they're like, Oh wait, actually you stay in high school here is it's probably more dangerous. what's actually dangerous. Okay. So that like saved my life. And I got to go downtown every day. Were and, you like, doing
0: theater? Did you go to the school to do theater or theater? for music? For musical oh, theater. Okay.
1: And then by the end I like had transferred to the music department. Um, cause I like pretending to be somebody else really creeped me out.
0: Like after fighting yeah. to be myself,
1: pretending to be
0: a, a I mean, different that's person a, that's in a play. Actors are me. actors are professional liars. I mean, in theory, like <laughs> like the, you. It's the thing why um, people are so shocked when when they find out a singer doesn't write their own music. Yeah, because they're like, wow, I trusted you, and I found out you didn't write. But no one expects an actor yeah. to be a writer. So you you. That's why when they try to do a music career, people tend to look at actors, and and they're like. Ah, they're just singing someone else's song, right? Because they're liars. Even if they're a good writer, right? You still tend to look at actors who do music, and you're like, that person's a liar. And yeah. you look at musicians who are actors when they do that, and you're like, oh, I trust Will Smith because right. he was a musician first. Well,
1: I always, but I always, I always think it's so funny. Like, wait, why do we get so mad at singers who don't write their own songs? When first of all, Whitney Houston didn't write. Frank Sinatra didn't write. Yeah, Elvis barely wrote. Sure. Like, yeah. But then she like no one's furious at Meryl Streep for not writing right. her Oscar winning screenplay. Right. Like, no. Some singers are not meant to be writers. They're just amazing storytellers. They're yeah. interpreters. Like, and that is amazing. We need them. Yeah. Like, w-
0: we would have nothing without them. Sure. Like, they're like they st- the storytellers, and we're going to write them the story. I also like that a lot of the the best writers in the music business are girl pop singers. Oh, to me, yeah. like to me, like you know. Katie and Lady Gaga and Kesha and Selena and some of these people come in and they're actually, like, really involved in the process. Oh, my God, yeah. And and then you go and you see, like, the guys, and I won't start listing them off, but the amount of guys that people think (laughs) write their own songs (laughs) where you're like, well, they don't do it on their own and a lot of times they don't change shit. And they're getting, somehow, people assume that because they're in a band or because they're a guy that they write their own music. Of course. And they, they somehow assume all pop girls... You yeah. so. know, Megan Trainor, the whole list of them—they're all like they're Taylor Swift's one of the greatest Swift, of all time. They're great writers, and everyone yeah. assumes that the girls are the ones that aren't writing. Yeah. In reality, it's the guy pop stars.
1: I mean, that's—you make a really, really good point.
0: It's really weird. Um, well,
1: but I always say too. I think it's so funny, like um, where the misogyny, uh, the, the 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 misogyny and homophobia in our business shocks me to the point where, like, you think that people would overcome it just for financial reasons, like you think they would look at like the list of songwriters who have gone on like these crazy streaks? Yeah, it's overwhelmingly, of course, there are some white straight men who have gone on amazing streaks, and they're some of my favorite writers in the world. But overwhelmingly, it's women, people of color and gay people, yeah. like whether from from, you know, all the women, from Diane Warren to Carol King to Sia to yeah, yeah. Esther Dean to Bonnie. To sure. then the, all the the amazing writers from Babyface to the dream to like all these ins, like all these people of color writing the fucking best songs we ever heard, and then Desmond Child and then me and then Elton John. like it's like if you look at it, especially behind the scenes, funny enough right. if you look at it, the majority of the ones that really fuck shit up and, and Jews. A lot of Jews. Lot, just throwing yeah. that out there. No, the whole, no, for sure. The
0: whole Brill building, where all they're all Jewish kids that went to they went to 100%. together. Well, no, no but that's it's like,
1: like it's all minorities. It's So besides you know Max, who's obviously a fucking genius, that's
0: like. But if you put sweets in a, in a weird sort of way as a subset, right? You know, it's it tends to be it's. But yeah. keep going. I yeah, mean, so the point is, like I
1: always find it so funny. Like if I was an A and R, right? I would look at the, those numbers and be like, okay. Every session has to have some sort of minority. Like, even though women aren't technically the minority, they are treated like minorities, so that I still count them in that group. Like, every session better have a minority. And that's really because interesting. If you look at yeah. the numbers, you are much more likely to get a hit. And I think that it's because emotionally we all connect to the underdog. So, even though if it's the hottest, whitest, straight dude singing this song, there's something subconsciously in the song they're singing that relates to a place of being really vulnerable and relates to a place of of oppression and relates to a place of of being an outsider.
0: And you think that's noticeable in... I mean, uh, you know, I guess uh, Cake by the Ocean. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... um, what? Where's the the vulnerability that happens in, or is it the idea of like it's, I don't care, so I can say something like Cake by the Ocean it's, because it's, it's I don't care what you think about me exactly. anyway. So that's yeah. where that comes from.
1: And it's like owning an odd sexuality. I mean, like I keep right. on hoping we eat Cake by the Ocean. That sounds pretty yeah, yeah, kinky yeah. and weird. Like yeah. um, I think in in all of it, like, even if even if the song isn't about that, I think that those that that like creatively, anyone that fits into some sort of minority category. Mm-hmm can tap into something special. Sure. Um, and I truly believe that. And so it's, for me, I think it's so funny, like you just, t- to go, it, I thought of it because about like how people assume women don't write their songs when most of the time yeah. they actually are the ones writing. Yeah, yeah, And the guys
0: aren't. That's um, the misogyny in it. And that's the misogyny yeah, in right. it. And so that's why- Is that I, different than the rest of, is, is it worse in the music business? I mean, I think of of all the entertainment
1: business from the research I've done and the friends I have in it. Like the music business is the most misogynistic and homophobic. Interesting. Um, I I only speak from personal experience. I definitely know the music business is very homophobic. But
0: it's like it is weird as far as artists are concerned. You know, when you think of, you know, and I, I don't want to like out certain people who aren't even out, but <laughs> right. the, you know, the but don't, but, please don't do yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That wouldn't go very well. But you know, <laughs> I I know of a lot of male singers who are really like. Who have to keep that under wraps on some Uh level, and that seems that seems shocking. I mean, I wonder how that helps and hurts someone like a Sam Smith, you know? I think what the main thing that we can take from it too, though, is that like like thank God for Sam
1: Smith, right? Thank God we have this huge pop star who's openly gay from day one, right? Because it hurt George Michael, it hurt like it hurt Ricky Martin. But here's, here's why, though. Here's why it hurt because George Michael and Ricky Martin, their whole. Not their whole image. They're amazing musicians. But a big part of their image was being sold on sex. Oh, right. And where Sam's, you know, is a fucking fierce, fabulous yeah. man who, like any human alive, of course, has sex and a sexuality and sure. sex drive. But his the way that he presents his, his music is so classic and it's so it's he's a crooner. You know, he's one of the best fucking singers alive and he just stands there and delivers that vocal performance that you we all wish we could deliver. Like so his but his thing isn't based on sex. Right. So it's very it's a very safe it's very safe for like the average person to be like, "Oh, well he's yeah, it's gay, about, but, like It's I about want...
0: lo- it's about love more than sex. Than sex and so it opens right. it, it opens that up. Yeah. Um, and it's about heartbreak and it's about
1: like, you know, so it's it's also like most of his hits are about like not getting love, so right. that's also very easy for people to digest. Too, yeah. yeah.
0: When, um, w- so you go into you go to this high school for musical theater. You end up in music. Yeah. Um, this is before you go to school. You went to Berkeley, right? Yeah. So, like, when you were, um, um, when you were in Chicago, were you in music? Being, like, I'm going to be a writer, and then you went to Berkeley to write, or were you like, oh, I'm going to be a front man of a band? Or I, I mean- went to. Yeah, so I How started. Work I started writing songs because, like, in one, as I said like being
1: pretending to be someone else always creeped me out. Uh-huh. And then, like, all the really fabulous songs in musical theater, for the most part, are for written for women. Um, men, you know, aren't like you know, masculinity is so fragile that like men in musicals really can't be that. Fabulous or that sad or that anything. So I just like, I'll write my own songs so I can be fabulous or sad or angry. Were you trying to write musicals? No, just like I was really up, starting to get really obsessed with like Paula Cole and Ani DeFranco. Wow. Yeah. Um, Touring Ani, De,
0: Ani DeFranco. Uh, I used to always say, when I first got my first record deal, I sounded a lot like a male Ani DeFranco. Yes. And I it mean, was she's like, and it, my she's number in, one. It's really shocking that I don't know what happened to her, and I don't know if there's like if she's still doing writing. She's still killing it, yeah. You know, but like her, I saw her, her live flows. Like fantastic, she's more current now than ever. Than ever. Well, what's interesting too is we don't
1: like we don't have a new. There is. Do you a have new a? One. Do you have con? Do you ever have you ever contacted? No, her? No, I don't want to. I, I I just like I she's my hero. Like that's like it's like she's in like my top 5. You know what I mean? Like I she went might through, be number 1. So I went through like... a
0: rampage last year where okay, so I wrote with uh, I have three karaoke songs. Right? <laughs> okay, bring it on. Um and I went uh one is and so okay. so wrote with Rivers. Yeah. Who I'd written with before, but it was for Weezer. So that was cool. That's awesome. Uh one was um um uh what's the song from Young Guns? Uh uh, not wanted, dead or alive. But I'm blanking out. But uh, Bon Jovi and I wrote with Bon Jovi, <sighs> amazing. And then the last one is Walking in Memphis. And oh, so I, mean, I, I got Mark. Mark? Hone, I got his his email, and I had to write like this blind email of, like, listen, no,
1: a cold um, call. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's a it's the only person in my entire career that I have contacted. Whoa. I've never contacted another artist ever. And I said, I know you're you don't co-write a lot. And this sounds weird. I'm sure if you look at my resume, it'll seem confusing to you. But would love to, you know, would love to co-write if if that's something you want. And he hasn't responded, but I'm still, (laughs) I'm like, I'm determined to go and write. If I write with Mark Cohen, to me, for some reason, that's like, if I write with him or Tom Waits. Yeah, those are my like. That's wow. my de DeFranco. See, because
1: I got to obviously I got to work with Gwen, which was life changing. Yeah, yeah. I've gotten to work with Courtney Love, which is life changing. Yeah. Um, when did so, you work with Courtney Love? Uh, we, nothing's come out yet. Well, actually, uh. one song did come out, which is on like a, on a seventh yeah. inch. So like, you can't even find out. Are you doing right, like I a whole this. album
0: with
1: her? We're going to work together a lot. I mean, who knows what'll happen? Okay. But, like, it's yeah. really unbelievable to work with her. Like, she, I think she's one of the best living lyricists. Like, it's yeah, her, she's incredible. It's it's shocking. Yeah. And again, misogyny. Everyone wants to believe that. Kurt wrote the first album, and that Billy Corgan wrote the second album, because there's no way a woman could be that good. Like, It is insane. I have enough frustration being a fucking homo. I can't imagine what it's like going through this world as a woman, where like you write... So you think the oppression oppression list really puts... Women are always first, and I think that, because also a lot of homophobia is just based in misogyny. Oh, right. It's like the hatred of the feminine. Um... And so, it, and it's like where, you know, you can look, it's much more accepted for even just a straight woman with like six kids to dress like a guy. But if a guy dresses like a girl, even a little bit, it's like, yeah, their whole life is defined by it. Sure. Like your, you are now, a, your whole entire humanity is defined by the fact that you are embracing femininity. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of
0: homophobia is based in misogyny. Is that why you, so you go to, you you know, not to relate back to the beginning, but you go to, to Berkeley or New York. So I went to Berkeley,
1: um, and my major was songwriting. So like I am, and I graduated, I'm using my major
0: 100%.
2: Yeah.
0: I think same music industry program, USC, like knew that that's what I was going to do. It's like, it does help if you, if you treat this as a career from the get go, it, it helps. I mean, yeah. But yeah, so I wanted to be—I wanted to be like a singer-songwriter, a very
1: political, serious singer-songwriter. And I did that as much as I could, and I won. Like you wrote political songs, very political, very like everything was like based in queer theory and like whatever drama and queer theory, queer theory. You can Google it; it's very hard to explain. Okay, Um, everyone, Google queer theory. Um, But uh, at a certain point, I just kind of like got bored with being so serious and i also just wanted to like do something more punk and like sort of embody the queer theory that i was talking about um instead of just talking about it just like be that
0: um and how so, did you come up with that realization
1: just i, I mean through a,
0: a long string of events but like um but are you performing these other songs being like what am i doing talking about it and not being it was it was there just a switch there was just a or are the idea of like of like the most punk thing to do is to just do it
1: um, and not right. talk about it um, and like you know being in my, my band was like three straight guys and me and it was especially at the beginning of it, it was very hard rock
0: music. me Precious Weapons at yeah. that time? Yeah. Oh so that came pretty much right after college.
1: Yeah so I did this singer songwriter thing for a minute and then Me Precious Weapons was like. Do you have a deal as a solo songwriter? Oh god no. No, I mean, if the music is fabulous, but if you heard it, no one is signing. Were you that. in? <laughs> were you? Were you in? Uh, in New York? Yeah, in New York, I did um, playing at like Waz and stuff. So, playing like, at like um, Sidewalk Cafe was my main yeah. spot. I did ev- and I hosted and, and performed every Sunday night with Justin Tranter's Flaming Sundays at Sidewalk Cafe, which was yeah. amazing. Um, uh, the best slash worst name of all time, and I'm really proud of it.
0: Um, you know, I think that's what makes it great.
1: So, yeah, oh, you know, it was, it's like
0: has to be the worst. Yeah, yeah. Right?
1: So. And then I started the band, and then um, just was amazing because I saw an immediate reaction from New York City. Like, none of the hipster clubs would book us, and none of like the hipster publications, like the Village Voice, never acknowledged that we existed. Why? But we won the Village Voice readers' poll as the best band in New York. So like, the people loved us, but like, because we just you, know, it wasn't. Um, I mean, it was hard to swallow. I mean, it was you know like really over the top, really like aggressive, vulgar, sexual. Music, uh, fronted by a man in you know pantyhose and six inch heels and right, uh, full face of makeup. Um, well,
0: there was a switch when I had to learn that I wasn't making music for my parents or my childhood, and that's when I got my first record deal. Was when I started writing songs that were political that yeah. were that were a little bit off and were uh, offensive to people I love, <laughs> and, and which. When they when I knew I was onto something when my dad finally said I don't get this right, and that was um, you know I love my dad but yeah. he's you know he's a Midwest guy who's yeah he's you know liberal enough but he doesn't okay. listen you know he's he's like I don't understand these fast lyrics right you know like yeah. what um. Slow down. Did, did, yeah, did, did, did semi precious weapons offend anybody in your family, or were Not they like family. even I mean, more my proud? My family
1: fucking loves. They they like want a, an SPW reunion tour immediately. Yeah. They want a new album. They, yeah. I mean, they that is their. They shit. were your
0: biggest fans.
1: Oh, literally, like when we play in Chicago, like my parents would be in the front, pressed up against the stage, surrounded by like you know our fan base was very weird. It was like half like um, girls that love like, hair metal, kind of, even though we didn't sound like hair metal at all, it was just the aesthetic. So, like, you know, fabulous girls with huge fake tits and big fake blonde hair that I worshipped and wanted to be. And then, like, a lot of guitar dudes would come because our guitar player, Stevie Pine, was, like, one of the best in the world. And then, like, you know, lots of queer youth. So, like, my parents would be, like, shoved up
0: amongst, like this insane crowd of people. So that, so then you go and you sink everything into semi-precious weapons. Oh, full force. Creatively, uh-huh. personally, yeah. you know, all, everything, music, fashion. You're just like, if I'm going to make this work, I'm going 100%. All in. So there I, there was no, I launched, I, my day jobs
1: back. were always jewelry stores. Um, and I in learned, New York? Yeah. And I learned uh-huh. like the jewelry business pretty well. And so launched a jewelry line inspired by the band which was like all um, weapons and hearts, and the hearts would be damaged according to the weapon, and ended up selling that the semi-precious weapons jewelry, which was like, my jewelry company was called Fetty, so it was like Fetty presents precious weapons, at Urban Outfitters, and... What's Fetty? uh, Like, fucked up and pretty combined. Oh, yeah, okay. So I actually owned the trademark on Fetty, so Fetty Wop needs to call me yeah exactly right i actually had people like are you gonna do said, no if i no. was amazing i'm gonna yeah. like, do shit oh right. well, you right. think i'm an idiot i'm a songwriter i'm not gonna right. piss off one of the coolest dudes in the business yeah. right um but uh so like the p- point being though all the money i made from that which you know ended up at barney's we made like a 14 karat gold and diamond version that was at barney's and like killed it every single cent I dumped into the band, so like, and also I
0: wasn't, I didn't know what I was doing business wise. So you weren't saving. It's not like I know, and yeah. I, I, I
1: could have been making. You're way your more. You're in your 20s,
0: so that's what you're supposed to do is waste all your money on art, um, yeah,
1: because that's all I cared about. So like, yeah. we would fly to like London and do like a, two weeks of shows, and like I'm paying for like six people to go, you know, because like the band, and then like a tour manager, even though, like we didn't need did you have one.
0: Like, but... a, did you have a business partner for
1: the, for the, no, I, so you, I, I did. The, for uh, fashion? No, just, just did it. I just like kind of like, fr- all like friends would help and my mom would help and I mean, I, I like made over like 400,000 pieces of jewelry with my own hands. Wow. Um, I mean, my hand my friends would help assemble everything with me, but like, it was yeah. a lot, but point being, I literally just threw all of that money into the band and we, London and LA, we made an album produced by Tony Visconti which obviously is not cheap right Um, paid for it all myself Um, so when you got when did you get signed to Interscope we were signed to Razor and Tie first which actually they just licensed the Tony Visconti album that I made and that was really stupid of me it was like for an album that I paid a lot a lot of money for they gave us like an advance of 20 grand to License it and I was like, I look back now and I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? Yeah. I mean, the worst, like, the, the I literally gave them a free product,
0: yeah. Like, I Insanity. went I, I spoke with a, a bunch of students where I was like, for all of you people who are holding on to your publishing in perpetuity because you're waiting for this big publishing deal or you're holding on to your master's and whatever, yeah. Worst case scenario for a kid who knows too much is that they think that they can wag the dog a little bit. Yeah. You know, and, and I think we all make, now I guess we didn't all make that, but we both made the mistakes early on of like, man, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. But obviously licensing the deal with that opened up the door to the next thing, didn't it? No, it did nothing for us. Really? It was like, uh, it was the dumbest thing I've ever done. It led to
1: nothing. But now most things do lead to something. You know what I mean? Dude, like They didn't license it in perpetuity, right?
0: You like, know, to be honest, I don't even know because that's kind of where I go was. back. I think, <laughs> I think you could probably go and take that those masters now yeah, and probably put them back on Spotify yeah. or whatever. If, I mean, it's a pretty fierce album. I mean, there's a song in it called That's Cunt,
1: which is amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Trying to take back the word cunt and have it mean something positive instead of
0: negative. Do you ever think about taking your old ideas and using them?
1: Oh, I do all the time. Yeah. But mainly not SPW ideas because most of those ideas are like somewhere out in the world. And even right. if it was a small fan base, there's enough. But like the stuff from my singer songwriter days, like yeah. there's some really like beautiful poetic shit that yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm, just, I'm stuck on this verse. Just throw that in there, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's so funny. Yeah, no. So, but then, so then after that, I literally went t- into like the office of like the bosses of Razor and Tie and was like, you need to let me go. Yeah, and they, they just said yes. They're like, yeah, we're, yeah, this isn't the right fit. You can yeah. go. So it was amazing. And so then we got to
0: sign to Interscope, and then signed to Epic. And then I mean, just four records. I mean, you deals. guys were making some money doing that, though, because if you had, you know, when did the the Lady Gaga phase comes? But I lo- we only lost money in that
1: on that tour. I Lost like of over two hundred grand. Yeah, wow. Because
0: yeah. just because of the cost, we of... were
1: getting paid like five hundred bucks
0: a night. Right so the tour support is just not you able know, to compete well, but you're just taking us, your advance and putting it keep putting it back in uh-huh. jewelry still putting it back in uh-huh. wow. when the jewelry I couldn't really keep up with on tour like we, I tried for like two
1: it. seasons and I just like couldn't do it and like it's hard to design like my brain just gets you're, you know like overwhelmed yeah. with creativity and I'm like I don't and to me all I ever cared about was music so like Jewelry was kind of an accident. Yeah, it was and your like,
0: job in a way. Jewelry was your job. Yeah, it was well, just lucrative.
1: Like the dumbest. Like, I'm very grateful and lucky. And I can't believe it. Like, like, I was like, I know, I'll launch a jewelry line to pay for all of this. And the fact right. that it worked is insane. Because right. like launching a jewelry line is just as hard
0: as becoming a su- successful right. artist. Like it's yeah.
1: like the dumbest thing I ever thought of. Right. But I guess it wasn't because it worked. Yeah.
0: It is actually pretty crazy.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite
0: <laughs> when so you go and you leave I know that you know obviously I know a bunch of the story but once when did you know that it was time to call it quits with the band Um on the, on the epic deal they wouldn't
1: release anything so it was a combination so of frustrating. of so
0: frustrating Were you recording did you have Oh my recordings? god we
1: just wrote every day and then like the really good songs tricky stewart and uh Mike Sit. Green who at the time was signed to him they would finish the because we would just record in our house and like then they would take it and finish it and make it sound fucking massive. Um, So we had all these amazing songs and all these, you know, Tricky Stewart, Mike Green co-productions that sound
0: insane and we couldn't do anything. Why didn't Um, they release it? I mean, many, I have no I mean, it's also the worst time in the... To be in a band right now, I mean, we missed the boat a little bit. Time-wise, like, the post-2008 to
1: 2011
0: is a really tough time to be in a band. Well, in this, though, this was like
1: 2000, but epic time was like 2012, 13. So there was the fun, there was the Imagine Dragons, there was the Foster the People, there was all that. Obviously, our band was nothing like that, but there still was bands happening, but... um, they just wouldn't release the music for whatever reason. Um, who who knows? It could be a million reasons. I mean, the main reason is is they're right. Is that like a really flamboyant, very sexual, gay performer isn't going to work anymore? Or uh, you know, it hasn't really worked since AIDS. Um, if you look at all the fabulous, feminine male performers, they're all pre-AIDS. That's um, really interesting. Well, because I think it just be being it scared people gay and sexual. You know, with how you know the Reagan administration demonizing all of us instead of helping us, um, it turned us into death.
0: Would you develop one as an artist? Like, I would love something? to. Yeah. Uh,
1: the, the first artist I'm really developing is a woman named Shia Diamond, though, uh-huh. who's an amazing uh, trans woman of color uh-huh. uh, who spent 10 years incarcerated um, and probably the most moving lyricist I've ever come across. Like, What does she sound like? To, um, It's like soul, like old school soul protest music mixed with like, you know, but she's also like super influenced by and obsessed with like, you know, lemonade and like, you know, so it's like, um, but so
0: 2013,
1: so yeah, so we're there, we can't release music. We're all terrified and fucked up. And like, we, we, we toured the Interscope album for like three years. Like, 2010 to... 2000, like, you, we can't tour that one album anymore. Like, the shows, the numbers kept getting smaller because, like, they've seen that show. So, we're, like... It's so expensive. It's so
0: expensive, and we're just, like... And it should be down. Like, the touring stuff, I, it's when you say that the, you know... No matter how much you can tour, a song will tour much faster. A much big faster. song will just tour around the world, and well, then and you, it, you show up, and everyone's there.
1: Right. Well, and also, yeah. you just you 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 know, I realized too, making the mistake of like obviously opening for Gaga was an amazing experience, and we saw the world, and like watching one of the greatest performers alive perform every night was super fucking cool, and her fans are amazing. But we weren't a pop band, and those are pop fans, you know. So like some of them could get into our aesthetic, but like, but musically, they they don't give a shit. About- and right. so it was like some of them loved us and were great to us, but mm-hmm. like overall, out, out of the fifteen thousand people at every show, there was like maybe fifty that were like, "That's cool," you know what I mean? So it was just. A waste and that of, doesn't even mean that they're
0: spending money on it. It just means that they, they think it's they, cool, they, right, and they like right. tweeted me, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, right,
1: right. But so, th- so in two thousand thirteen, we couldn't put music out, so touring was pointless. And Katie Vinton um, came to Warner Chapel, so the band was signed to Warner Chapel. Yay! And. Um the guy that signed us had left the company and Katie was brought in. And so I met with her and she listened to our new album and she's like, this is amazing. And this much more pop than ever before. Uh, since Epic's not doing anything and it seems like you can write pop, would you want to try sessions for other people? It had never crossed your mind before that. I mean, it always sounded like a fabulous fantasy. Like after I was a huge rock star, and I was like fifty to like you know make Christina Aguilera's comeback record or something. Like yeah. when we were both fifty, because we're the same age. But like you know what I mean? Like, like that always sounded cool. Like these women that I yeah. worship like do that, but never like let me get in the pop circuit. Like I didn't even know that really existed to be so honest. So Katie
0: changes your life with one
1: meeting. With one meeting, Katie yeah. says, "Do you want to do this?" And I was like, "I want to do anything. I you know, and I love people. I like to talk to people." Are you so broke I was like, at this point? beyond broke
0: so where were you living uh
1: the whole band was living uh five of us because the bass player's wife was with us too so and actually my ex-boyfriend we were he was living with us so six of us in one uh th- two-bedroom house but we like f- Made forged it into yeah. like four bedrooms somehow um like the garage because so they the were bedroom. all broke also we were all broke. and you guys were at this point the band was done no we were still in the band um it was just like so while the band was still trying to do a little bit of stuff I just started doing all these sessions and I just had so much fun because it's like you get to write outside of yourself you're not concerned with what your fans are going to say you're not concerned with what you would say you're not concerned with anything besides were writing they, a great song were they offended by you doing no they, were they supportive of they it they were so supportive and we're all like you know we were all friends for like 5 years before we started the band uh-huh. um like me and Cole who now is in DNCE Um, he and I were literally roommates freshman year of college like I just showed up and there was my roommate and that was this guy Um, so they were so supportive and they just knew like I'm such a fucking hustler that they were like if he he just sits in the house all day he's just gonna drive us crazy so get the fuck out of here so um, it was
0: and I just fell in love with it because it's like all that matters is writing the best song that you can and Centuries is really the first hit right oh 100% the first hit so that comes out uh, and that and it's so strange because you know here you are, obviously a new Fallout Boy because you're in a band and not, and yeah. you're not dead, so yeah, you know who Chicago, they were. And and they're yeah. from Chicago, and then all of a sudden you you write a song and it becomes like it's in sporting or, or arenas, crazy. You co-write it with an Indian girl, mm-hmm. <laughs> like which makes me very proud. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess at this point, are you then like, why would I ever be in a band again? I, was it 100%? that quick? it was really cool. And so it was the combination of that. Like it just started happening
1: and I loved it. I love meeting people. I love just focusing on the song and that's it. Uh-huh. And also like uh, the band thing was just getting difficult because of not because of the band, but because of all the outside factors. And yeah, yeah. there was someone on our team who was literally, because we started having a single that we would put out just with Tricky put out himself on like his Tricky's label um, that started Aviation High, started doing well on the on alternative radio. Cool. And alternative radio is even more homophobic than pop radio. Really? So, oh yeah. So, that's
0: kind of shocking to me.
1: Yeah, well, but rock has just been turned into like total bro town.
0: Yeah, but rock is, you know, rock is country music. Like I don't even right. know where rock is anymore. But it's
1: like, you know, it's like, well, here's an example. We played like um uh a alternative radio show thing like you know a summer weenie roast it wasn't yeah. that that was a different type of thing but one yeah. of those
0: fucking things i'm sure and, there were a lot of jokes about that and
1: yeah and yeah, there was literally <laughs> like all these tweets of like this dude is in heels that's not rock and roll and i'd be like and you're like that is rock and that roll is rock you're and a roll. fucking idiot like, And so literally, like, normally i never <laughs> yeah. you know i never when i was in the band i would never talk about politics really i just lived the politics that was my that was my rule um, now that I'm not trying to be an artist, as you can see in how we've been talking, I'll fucking say anything I want. But um, I did like tweet back to all those people with like pictures of like David Bowie and yeah. Kiss and everyone would be like, wait, so this isn't rock? I'm confused. Right. Like yeah. the people that invented this genre,
0: you don't like that? It is fun when you know the answer. And, and <laughs> yeah. you know, I think I, I don't want to sound in, like an elitist, but it when, when you live in a city of, of 15 million people, yeah and you have when you're not here, it's because you're traveling with either the biggest artists in the world or you're on tour, yeah, meeting people from all different cities, yeah you know there is some argument that artists are qualified to make a statement about humanity, yeah because they're well traveled they're well educated without that sounding you know um I'm not saying that educated in a formal sense. I'm right. saying educated, like, worldly. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the idea that people um, somehow belittle an artist's point of view, yeah. not realizing that, no, that person's actually probably knows the answer to some yeah. of these things. Like, yeah. maybe they should actually listen to the yeah. person who's, who's making this yeah. kind of artistic statement yeah. and saying this is about the future. Yeah.
1: Well, I think actually the guy did reply to the tweet, like, oh yeah, I guess, or something. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> so the point being is that we, there was yeah. someone
1: on our team who kept saying to me, at least once a week, I would get a phone call saying like, I don't, I don't want to hurt your feelings and I don't want to blah, 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 but I really think we need to find a way for you to appear less gay. And so the, the combination of uh, less gay and then also the writing working. When you would hear that, it's soul-crushing, you know, and I'm a really strong guy. I don't want
0: you to be less gay. <laughs> Thanks, Ross. As your friend. <laughs> you know? um,
1: but it was it was soul-crushing, and, and I am, you know, luckily was born very confident and then was raised by s- saints, people that loved me and also yeah. would, like, kill anyone for me. Like, my yeah. parents right now in this election, they're friends that voted for Trump. They just have to say, like, My son. If you didn't read about uh-huh. what Pence wants to do to my son... Right. Shame on you. Shame on you. Like, um, I don't know how we can be friends because you clearly don't think that my son deserves equal and human rights. For them. Um, so, point being, I was raised by amazing people and hearing Please Be Less Gay, when mm. all you want is for the world to hear your music, it's soul crushing because you're like, well, maybe I should do it. And I actually did. I did. I started dressing a little bit differently. I wore heels, but they were like a thicker, like more masculine heel because in my brain it was like also
0: get on stage platform somehow yeah, instead I, of stilettos I need like, something <laughs> you know? right, I can't right. get
1: on stage in a fucking yeah. sneaker I mean I'll wear a sneaker in real life but like on stage that just is blasphemy you know, right. you have to respect the stage and so between those two things of writing going well and yeah. like falling in love with all aspects of it the songs the community like the pop
0: community in LA is like a real scene you yeah know? it is like, in New York, we it's were real never family.
1: It's a fucking awesome way
0: more than being in a band. In a way band, it was more. like I was in L.A. in bands for ten years, and it's really competitive. Yeah, I hate all of my bandmates, <laughs> except for two. You know, uh, but no, you're right. And but I, I think a lot, that- a lot of uh, in, my. Uh, the guys who were part of my bands that were not like the partner in the band yeah. always were great. Right. It was always the guy that, w- that was competitive within it. But yeah. the difference in the songwriting community is like, you know, you and I can write for a day and then I don't see you for a month, yeah. but I'm super supportive of your success well, and I think it doesn't the... affect me if you're successful in exactly. any way negatively.
1: Well, I think the reason why there is this real community though is because like in some way... Of course, there's healthy competition and everything, but in some sure. ways, like, we can all help each other. Like, oh, wait. So, like, you're really close with that project. Yeah. Can I maybe come right for a day and see if, if our vibe works on that project right. or whatever it might be? Like, our talents can actually help each other, even though there, sure. of course, will always be some sort of competition. But, like, in a band, like if another band is not in your fucking band, so that, you're, yeah, if right. your band right, either right, wins right, right. or it doesn't, right. but like as writers we can all hang out and we can sure. all make music together or like, you know, if you go to some of the super Frankenstein A&Rs like, you can, they might someone might send you a fucking hit chorus and you're the one who's lucky enough to like, write new lyrics to the second verse. Right. I, I don't do that stuff anymore because I feel like I that's the, the end of creativity and that right. makes singles artists and not albums artists and single artists are pretty close to being done, but
0: Wait, single artists are close to being done? What do you
1: mean? I, I mean, when you look at someone like Rihanna, uh-huh. who was the queen of singles, yeah. who then put out like a bold-as-fuck concept album yeah. because the way that streaming allows her right. to make a serious statement and yeah. make a serious amount of money on things that aren't normal hits. Right. Like, when Beyonce right. and Rihanna, who are the queen of
0: singles, are making right. concept albums, the tide is fucking changing. Yeah, it's very, it. it, it you know... We talk a lot about how it's before 1964 with the Brill Building where it's like the hit makers make mm-hmm. money. And then it's going to be the next step is that people are going to – people are going to crave going into like real artists doing an artist statement. You know, yeah. Now it's like where you can actually do something like that yeah. and – um, let them consume this whole product yeah. and not even give a shit about singles yeah. because they're really not making money off radio anyway. Yeah, it, you know, if you're an artist, you're not really making like Rihanna doesn't make the money off radio. So since you know her so- shows are going to be sold out anyway, right. You might as well go and do. Well, something if you artistic. can give people something to really believe in, your right. souls
1: are gonna, your shows are gonna sell way more. Right, you know when obviously Beyonce's whole career has always been massive. She's one of, she's one of the greatest of the greats. She's, you know, but when she started making this switch to things that are more, that really had something to fucking say. Yeah. She went from arenas to stadiums overnight. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a, it's, that's where we're, I, at least, who knows where we're going to go? I, I should never try to. But make that's predictions. where we want. But that's where that's we, where we want go. to go. Yeah. And I think for me, what's... which is
0: interesting is a couple guys who write singles is like you. You hope. I mean, the thing is, there it'll be really hard when it, if radio's gone and the singles essentially the radio becomes playlists. Right, it's going to be very complicated when you know. Talk about payola. now <laughs> that that the playlists are essentially paid for by or, or that subsidized by record labels. Yeah. You know that people are going to have access to the playlist even more so than radio will be record labels. But what a hit is is going to be very complicated to establish.
1: And I think it already is complicated to establish. You know, there's there's things that are driving a serious amount of revenue
0: that, like, you know, my mom will never hear. Right. You know what I mean? And it's hard to even show them. Yeah. Because unless they have a subscription. Right. Or they want, you know. Yeah. But it's
1: also, too, I think what's so cool about being where we are, or at least, like, for me what's so cool is, like, making the choices to to try to move culture forward. And I think that we should all take ourselves responsible. Like we should all hold ourselves responsible for that. Like sure. as songwriters that people care about, you know, like I always want to make sure that like I give women the power in the song. I don't ever want to write a song for a young woman without having a young woman in the room. Yeah. Because – I think it's it's kind of gross for like 40-year-old men. I just aged myself by a couple years, but I'm just going to yeah, call myself 40. Sure. Even though I'm like a very feminine 40-year-old man. It's still like I think it's gross for like 40-year-old men to like write a sexy song for like a 20-year-old yeah. girl.
0: I think that like it is funny only cuz I I wrote Dangerous Woman, but right. I wrote it thinking that it would be like this would be really cool. It would be really cool if our generation had, you know, a natural woman right. of sorts. And so You know, I spent like a month writing that, thinking that this was going to be really cool for, um, uh, uh, I was thinking like it'd be like a country kind of record. Oh, dope. So when I I wrote on guitar, and I thought it was, uh, I'm blanking on her name. What's her name who did uh, uh, Carrie Underwood? Yeah. I thought it was a Carrie Underwood record. Sick. I can hear that, actually. Yeah, yeah. so I brought it in with that in mind, because I was going to Nashville in January last year. Yeah. And I was like, I I really want to bring this to Nashville because I think this is a really cool yeah. song for a uh, country girl. Yeah. So when we finished we finished it, it was all organic instruments, you know. Sick. And I thought it was like a country record. Yeah. I didn't think it was like a young, right, a young girl. But I, yeah. I was, you know, just I, I just well, felt no, like I is... should tell that story only because like <laughs> I'm like an old man writing a song. Yeah. You know, like it's the weirdest thing for my wife to walk in and see a straight guy writing Dangerous Woman, you (laughs) know?
1: (laughs) yeah. Well, no, and of course there's always an aspect to storytelling and like we can all tell all different stories and put ourselves in different brains. I just think for for me personally, I want to make sure, I want to hold myself responsible. If I'm going to do that, I want to make sure that like there is a young woman in the room who thinks that what we are saying is okay. Uh, Right. That, that... And, you know, that's why, you know, the other main thing that happened just to backtrack in my career was then meeting Julia Michaels, you know, when it comes to things like Centuries or Cake by the Ocean or things that lean somewhere towards rock or alternative or whatever, you know, I can, I have all the confidence in the world to to take the lead on that. But when it comes to writing pop, like just straight up pop or like obviously everything that Julia, her instincts are a little left of center, but like. Young female pop. She's the one. She's the one, and and also, so that our collaboration has just been life changing in so many ways. But the first thing, that like the first day I met her, it was like, okay, this is an artist, even though she wasn't an artist yet. It's like she is only writing her story, and that's amazing. And like you know, you've heard from like some people will do sessions and they they find that off putting, like. She's not being collaborative. Like, no, she's being very collaborative. She just has a story to tell and she's going to fucking tell it. So the minute I met her and started working with her, after 10 years of doing, wearing, saying, thinking, do everything I did was exactly what I wanted and only what I wanted. Like my band members would collaborate sonically, but like visually and lyrically it was all mine. Yeah. Meeting this woman and being like, oh, I'm going to fucking help you tell your story.
0: That's dope. Like yeah. I, I, I just literally got chills. Saying and as like an old as 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 an, you know, with both of us have a good relationship with Selena. On yeah. some level, we're like older brothers. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and and I imagine with with Julia, it's like a full time like you call her your song wife. Yeah, but in so many ways, it's like it's much more of like a song sister in a way. Yeah, to me, like I you know cause, because because she can like vent to you every day. Yeah. Yeah, you know she can. And when she's in the booth, she's literally you know, there are days where she's really sad. Yeah, you know, and she she just emotes the song yeah. into it. You know, oh, you Selena, you mean? No, oh, I'm Julia. talking about yeah. Julia. Yeah, I mean, even more Julia than yeah, for than sure. Selena in that no, sense. it's
1: it's um, it's just an amazing thing to be a part of, and it's um, it makes me feel very proud that I'm I'm you know, Julia is this young, like in brilliant Latina girl who, like, I get to help her bring her... I get, like, you know, it's her... These are her stories, and I've never... Like, I have no... That doesn't make me a worse writer. That makes me a smart writer that I'm willing to help someone tell their story.
0: So this is really interesting because the, you know... I imagine people on some level say like, oh, Ross and Johan, because we had song- We have a bunch of songs together, yeah. you know? Um, obviously, I write with other people. Yeah. And, you know, people think of Julie and Justin as yeah. like a writing team. For sure. You know, is th- has there ever been pressure to be like, this is the only team? Or was it, is it, you know, is, because like I want to maximize the time I'm with people that, that really help, that bring up my batting average. Yeah. You know, is... Isn't it hard to go and say, I'm going to go write with anybody else? Um, and also, do you get so much pressure from the industry to be like, oh, but you guys do it together? Like when you're like, no, no, I want to do this session alone. Yeah. No, I think what luckily for us
1: that, of course, when you're so close to somebody, one, writing with other people can just feel odd because you don't have the shorthand. You know, mean, uh-huh. me and Julia have spent, you know, the— we just because she was doing all this promo stuff for her artist queer, we just we didn't see each other for 3 weeks which is the longest we haven't seen each other for 3 years yeah you know the long maybe like you know last christmas like 10 days you know it's like it, she's the probably like you know one of the closest yeah, people to me family. in my life and yeah. um so as a friend it's weird to not see that person but also when you write with somebody else and you don't have that shorthand it's like it can just feel like am I wasting my fuck this is a waste of fucking time. Just I'm gonna walk out of this session. I'm just gonna wait
0: till I see Julia tomorrow, which of course I never do. But those thoughts cross your mind. I mean, I know you have songs coming out next year that I won't name, but that are that are coming out that were written with other people. Yeah. That- so
1: what I was gonna say was what naturally happened then was we both started working with Joe Jonas for the DNCE project together. Um and Julia being like the smart person she is was like. Yeah, I only, you know, I only write well when this is, like, my, when I'm coming from my story, and, like, my story is not gonna relate to Joe at all. Like, this is just not the right fit. fit. So she, like, took herself out of it, and the next day we did Cake by the Ocean which just me and Joe and Matt, Man and Robin, and so that very naturally became a really easy way of, like, the sort of, like, bandy things, even though Cake by the Ocean yeah. is pop as fuck, it's still all real instruments, and,
0: like, it's much more like oh, it feels like I feel to me it feels like the way you remember that band lit you know totally like, dun, 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 yeah dun, you know totally. like it reminds me of that like just a know? happy fun
1: band yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um and so that just kind of happened naturally where it was like whether it was DNCE or other like band ish projects I would
0: I would do on my own when and then it, that like, was successful. Because uh-huh. I, I guess when I have a single that's successful that's not with my normal co-writers, yeah. there's a part of me that feels exceptionally accomplished. Maybe more so than when I write it <laughs> yeah. with the people I love dearly. yeah. But there's something about when you write it on your own where you're like, wow, I still got it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like When you're writing, it, there's something about the... Um, uh, I don't know. There's something about... like I, I would imagine when Cake by the Ocean is is successful that you're sitting there being like, you know, in a community where everyone's like Julian, Justin, Julian, Justin, that and people, that you're, that some part of you's like, oh, this is, this is Justin.
1: I guess in a way, yeah, for sure. But for not me, in a negative way. To, yeah, Julie,
0: no. I don't, I don't want it to oh, sound no, no, like no. I'm discrediting the other songs. But no, no, of like course. To, to me, you know, like <laughs> the list of songs for you this year is so nuts. But, you know, even obviously after centuries, you know, that's already a couple years old. But, you know, love myself, good for you, handsome myself, sorry cake by the ocean, used to love you close, all that stuff is this last year, you know. Um nuts. And that doesn't include the 40 album tracks or the <laughs> or the other songs that didn't quite get to that level. Yeah. You know, but of those really like, you know, Cake by the Ocean is is the one that you did that on your own, which is right. why I kept mentioning that. So Yeah,
1: no, I, I you know, for of course it, it does feel like a different um it's a different sense of accomplishment because yeah. As I said earlier, like for me, when I'm writing with Julia, like the amazing feeling of like, I'm gonna be there to make Julia the best version of herself, yes. and that
0: is my job. That's the that's what, what a, a good co writer is somebody who facilitates their co writer's best song, yeah, not somebody who goes in and demands that the song's theirs, right? You know, so like, and so it with, says a lot about your professionalism that that's your point of view, yeah.
1: When and it's just also, too, it's 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 professionalism, but it's also like finding joy in everything, and it's like. The, me, me and Julia laugh all the time. Like the super, like fast, like slightly urban pop melody yeah. she does. I could never, in a million yeah. years, do those. But when I know that, like we need one, and I, I can know the shape of it. Yeah. I literally just can. With is audio, so you, no one can see it. But I literally just like point your way through. M- the point melody. my way yeah. through the melody that I want her. To sing. To sing. Mm. And like, oh, you know, like, oh, that pre you have is amazing. But like, I think actually because the verse, the phrasing is here and the chorus, the phrasing is here, we need one that goes like this. And I move my finger and she sings it because I can't sing those. And I have no shame in saying that. Or I think a lot of dumb songwriters, their ego would get in the way and they'd be like, well, I mean, everything's a 100% collaboration. And I'm like, no, it's not a 100% yeah. collaboration. I cannot write. Urban pop melodies. I never will, and I will never try because
0: I'll sound like a fucking idiot. (laughs) Do you ever? I I mean, now you have um, you have the ability to say no, a lot when it comes to sessions. But you you ever have texted about? And I'm still learning. Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, because it's it's really stressful, man. I mean, I don't think people get how difficult it is to start saying no. In your career, it shows a little bit of confidence, but it also starts to show that. I mean, you're turn, You're going to turn down something that's successful at some point. Well, I but think that the... It doesn't mean it would have been successful if you were in the room. Exactly. And for me, I think that the passion changes. Like,
1: it. I still don't say no that much. But when I do, I'm finding an easier time to do it because it's not just about making sure I get in every room to possibly get that hit. It's now about, because I have, you know, some sort of financial security. Let's just call it what it yeah. is. It's more about like, what i know i'm going to enjoy the most and what mm-hmm. i think is going to help move culture forward like if i'm going to write for a guy and i'm and like i know that that artist will never allow themselves to like sing something vulnerable uh i'm not going to do it because yeah it won't make any sense that's not pushing culture forward sure. so like that's um that's hurting the planet um so i don't want to do that you know i don't Yeah,
0: <laughs> the song, songs that are um I kind of pride myself on not having songs that of that are misogynistic. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that my songs were that are, are 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 vulnerable. Yeah, you know, and that I think that it's hard when you find out there are a lot of artists that are uh, that are homophobic. I'm sure that oh, there there way. there have been probably times we've walked in a room and the the person doesn't know who you are, and it's got to be an like an awkward. I've literally session.
1: walked into a room. uh, not too long ago. And the producer, who I will not name, there's no reason to, but he literally looked at me and was like, whoa. And I was like, Ex- <laughs> "Yeah, <laughs> excuse, hi, nice to yeah, meet you. Right. I'm Justin. He's like, I, I-, I didn't know you were going to be like that. Oh, boy. Like he was shook to the core. Because it was a night session. I had come from dinner. So she was looking a little extra fabulous. And by she, I mean me. So he was literally shook to the core. And I was just like, okay, what do I do? Do I just like turn around and walk out and just be like, fuck this dude? Did you? No, because I was like. Did you guys talk about it? We I talked about it. And I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm going to get through this session. I'm going to show him that I'm a human being. Did you say that? Yeah. And I was like, we're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And and I said, also, just imagine if the roles were reversed. Like, imagine if I walked into a room and said, whoa, I didn't know you were going to be like that. Like, And what did he say? um, He was, he just, like, kind of, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he's like, yeah, I'm just really sorry. It's just like, I just, I honestly just had no idea. Did he apologize? No, did not apologize. Did you guys write a good song? No, the song sucked, but... We ended up like you know I th- hopefully you know we I
0: left that room and like he his perspective on something changed yeah um, I think people don't realize that a writing session is two three four humans in a room yeah writing something that doesn't exist beforehand and yeah. how much that how much and, trust that takes yeah and how much vulnerability it takes and um no I, I but also
1: would be like just. You probably, if you have that many issues with other humans, you should probably
0: Google people before they come. Yeah, because
1: you could just Google me, and you no, know I what mean. You, you see the you picture, know what you're yeah, get. yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: One thing that I want to do is start, I'm going to just list a few people, and I kind of want to hear what you have to say about them. Okay, you know, just random things. You can say whatever comes to mind. Yeah. Lady Gaga, uh, one of the best performers who's ever lived. Selena Gomez, uh,
1: one of the greatest storytellers who's ever lived. Really. You've worked with her, yeah. I love When that it. girl starts singing something, you believe it cuts always. you yeah. so deep to the core. Her
0: it's tones, like- her tone, her her tone—not just as a singer, but as a curator—is mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yeah. as a As a curator, right now, the way that Brittany was during Blackout, yeah, is how I see the way that Selena Rihanna right now has
1: been her whole career. Like, yeah, that's,
0: yeah, you know, the person who knows that this is how. What she you wants know, to sound like, well, yeah, and what's cool, and what pushes the boundaries, but she also, also just, emulates really well, which she, a lot of singers, yeah. like some singers, are like I want to put my spin on it, and I think that's negative versus. Trying to figure out how to What's embody best for the it. song. Yeah. yeah, she she but, seems to get that. And it's better just than
1: most. it's you know whether she's singing something sexy or something sad. It's just you believe it more than almost anybody right now. It's like the 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 level of honesty that comes through. But I, you know I think that's because she's an actress. You know it's like she can fucking deliver this for you. Yeah, yeah. Imagine dragons. Oh fucking! I mean
0: ugh, the how do, what are you supposed to say? I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I know you're spending a lot of time with them because of Instagram.
1: Um, <laughs> it's so hard to say. Like, it's like, same with Bieber, it's like these fucking icons. When you say Dan is the sweetest man maybe ever. Oh, cool. Um, working with him is so dope because you literally like write and then you go hang out with him and his family for like three hours. Like, it's awesome. It's, cool. uh, I think like w- definitely like one of the more, I, we're you know, working with Selena is very intimate. Um, And working with Dan is just as intimate. Like, it's like I'm with his family every night. It's really fucking. And he might be the best singer alive. Wow.
0: He might. Range-wise or just, like, power or the whole thing? I mean, have you ever heard him sing in real life? Uh, I think I saw them once at some radio thing. It is like like being in the room when he opens his face is just, like, madness. So speaking people open their face and tone comes out. Brittany. I mean, heart, I mean, that
1: tone is heartbreaking. It's like, I don't even know. And also, she's just such a sweetheart. Yeah. You know, like, um, it was really cool. She said in an interview a little bit ago that, like, um, you know, beginning to co-write with me and Julia um, was such an awesome... She hasn't co-written in a while. Yeah. And it was so amazing because, like, you have to be willing to, like, suck. You have to, yeah. which all of us do, not just Brittany. All yeah, of us have to be willing to say something or suggest bad. something that's going to yeah. be bad. Yeah. And like uh, my favorite thing is to watch how people deal with like a bad suggestion.
0: You know yeah. what I mean? I just love yeah. it. Like Well, that's the thing. Uh, one of the, I I think theater really teaches you how to when you're younger, it teaches you a few things. It teaches you um status in a room. Mm-hmm. It teaches you how to give constructive criticism. Yep. You know, some of these things that you can use in real life. I, I, I think I used what I learned in my childhood theater days, you know, in my everyday life. Yeah. Because you learn how to take a bad suggestion and try to encourage someone to come up with, um, yeah. to beat that suggestion. Yeah, No, it is crazy you
1: know? in, in theater, the amount of criticism that you are expected to take and handle with like dignity and yeah. respect yeah. is crazy. Like sure. I look back on it. I'm like, that's not actually healthy to like make like fifth graders like take really hard
0: notes. Like yeah. that's
1: not. That's that shouldn't have but then again I, maybe it should. I, I think don't fucking it do, know. I I think it has to. I yeah. think it's
0: like the thing about getting in, you know, in in fourth place and not getting, you know, a trophy. Yeah. However, like, we do
1: have to stop making fun of young people for getting participation trophies because they didn't ask for them. No, it was the parents. Isn't that so funny? Like, now yeah. the parents want to be like, oh, that's the younger generation. They're just... I'm like, no, no, well, then why you. did you give yeah. them the fucking the trophy? They didn't know anyway. They didn't know? Yeah.
0: They cried. and The they kid still have was prior.
1: pissed that they lost. They didn't yeah. care about their
0: participation
1: trophy. They sure. still were mad they lost. Like, yeah, that's yeah. your fault, dumbass. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs>
0: uh, few more.
1: Gwen Stefani. I think I would say Gwen and Julia are the, the two people I've collaborated with who are the most willing to expose like the deepest, darkest, personal thoughts and secrets. Th- that it's just so amazing because I always feel as a writer, if you are willing to expose the real truths, that's the most universal. The more specific that you get, the more universal the story becomes. I agree. Um, and to watch Gwen fight for it. Like if we were to suggest a lyric, you know, because I did like the, the first round of sessions with me and Raja and then the, the back half with me and Julia – If you suggest a lyric to her, just because like it sounds dope or it sings well or it like whatever, if that lyric doesn't match exactly what's happening in her life, not going in the fucking song. And then after working with her, and then you go back and listen to a song like Hollaback Girl, which seems like it's just fun. No, oh no, she is angry. Yeah, and she is being very specific about who she is angry at, and it's like, whoa, like you just made a anger that's actually about you being in so much pain and anger, like that is fuck. We were all in the club, like when she says this shit yeah. is bananas. I always thought she meant Pharrell's beat
0: in the song. Like this, no, shit the is fact bananas. that you're thinking that, the I'm...
1: fact that this person did that right. to her
0: is like is this banana. shit is
1: bananas. Right. You are insane. You're a crazy person. Yeah. Oh, Anyway, so yeah,
0: that's Go so ahead. obviously people think of of Justin and Julia as a writing team of sorts, mm-hmm. but. To me, it's actually justin Mattman and Robin, and Julia's come in and out in a way like so much of the the hits in the last year are Mattman and Robin. What do you think about Mattman and Robin
1: Mattman and robin uh i th- I think it it feels like I'm in a band again oh cool um, it's like best friends. they're your other bandmates they that's like my new right. band, you know, like even though we just have we make music for other people that's like that's my new band um and that's really. It's been really, really special. And I love being in a band. And I love uh, that sort of, like, camaraderie. And, like, I I would say, like, you know, as we talked about before, the the songwriting community is really close and we all hang out. But, like, they feel like my band. where Like, it's just, it's, if there's a session, we're going to breakfast beforehand and we're going to dinner after. Yeah. that This is just, we don't talk about it. That's just what's happening.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I'm going to sort of close on this you yeah. know I, I think we've we see a lot of people say that this is going to be a really good era for art because you know when when we have things that we have to say mm-hmm. um that's when when art shines i will say that you know 2003 i was trying to work on this really political album yeah and no one else was doing it but i got a record deal but nobody wanted to hear it right and i really hope that this time that people are open to hearing some songs that make a difference
1: well I think they' are going to be not to cut you off sorry no I fun. think that the only way it's going to connect is if the industry allows the the actual people who are truly being affected by it yeah to talk about it um, I think that in in the one of the beautiful things that happen that's happened in the internet is that like the bullshit detector is so high. So, if it's a bunch of rich white straight men talking about the struggles of minorities, whether that's people of color or religious minorities or you know sexual orientation minorities, if that happens again, yeah, it, we don't want it anymore. I always talk about like, and of course Bob Dylan is a genius. This is no disrespect to him, but like, why in God's name was Bob Dylan? The one talking about racism. Well, and of course, and this is pretty, people this should is, raise their hand and they should call out something. But like, why wasn't Tina Turner allowed to right. sing about
0: it? It's funny because like, if you grew up in in the U.S. in the same way that like when when uh, Christmas comes around, Easter comes around, Good Friday, Ash Wednesday, all these holidays come up, and as a Jew, you're like. I have no idea what to do. Oh, for sure, for sure. Because you're like, while we get off for Christmas break for two weeks, what am I going to fucking? You know (laughs) why? Yeah. And you see Christmas trees, and you're like, I don't have one of those. And And you're like, you're a little bit. Church and state. Yeah, yeah, you're you're just not. It's just not. Our school calendar is based around Christmas. Yeah. You know, Robert Zimmerman. Right. You know, uh, is speaking about civil rights because Jews were on the front. Of, of helping out yeah. the civil rights movement. Yeah. Because we're the closest thing to white yeah. Christians that people will listen to of the minorities. Fair. Fair. Like on that oppression list, yeah. we're not as we're oh. not we're not we're we're not typically oppressed, but we're um we're not totally not oppressed. For sure. And so it happens that I think that Jewish writers who were into civil rights yeah. And activists were yeah. were able to help because they could help give a voice to something. That and people would be like, Oh, you're white and male, so I'll listen yeah. to you. Yeah. So, you know But so what I'm saying, and I, so of, it says of course we need everyone
1: to talk about, about this. everyone yeah. should speak on the injustice. Yeah. Everyone should if they can give a voice to something that isn't be given, giving a voice, they should. I just think that in this day and age with the internet, the the reason why that type of music isn't connecting as much anymore is because we want to hear it from the source. Yes. Um, And I'll I'll say this to like two things really quick. One, like, even though I am so grateful for like the straight female pop stars that go to bat for the gay community, I am so grateful for it. We need it. But why can't gay people sing about it? Right. Gay people aren't allowed to sing about it, but straight people are. And that's not fair. Right. That's it. Uh, You know, that's like, you're taking our power away because you're saying, well, we don't actually, and, and it's a weird thing of like, yes, we need them to talk about it. We need all the help we can, you know, in a lot of States in this country, you can still just be fired for being gay. You can be kicked out of your housing, you know, like when the tragedy happened in Orlando, the people that survived that who survived the tragedy because now they were outed by surviving that could very easily have just been fired. Because in Florida, you can just get fired for being gay. So far. Legally. So, like, we need all the help we can get. But on the other hand, like, we also need to allow the people who are suffering to tell their own stories. No doubt. And, like, the last thing I'll say, too, is, like, there's, you know, I went and saw 21 Pilots live. My nieces are obsessed. It was amazing. Yeah. Like, so amazing. But, like, why do they get to be the ones who
0: are angry? Well, the angry white the angry white teen But like you know, the guy is like like, 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 it's grunge again. I mean it's just that. Right, but so
1: but like why does Tina Turner have to fucking like why doesn't she get to be angry? Why did Bob Dylan get to be angry? You know what I'm saying? Like that's the we don't want the and I think a part of it is because the people who are really, really suffering from this, we don't want to hear their pain
0: because it's too real. That's interesting.
1: And I think if we wanna make a change and we want music to really reflect what's happening, we have to let the people who are suffering Tell us that they're suffering,
0: like Wrong Man, the musical. You know, it's about a guy being wrongly accused, yeah. being in prison, wrongly in prison, and yeah. whatnot. Um, and although the Innocence Project shows that you know a lot of uh, a lot of the people who are wrongly convicted are white, yeah. You know, the only response I've ever gotten that's been negative out of the fourteen years where yeah. these kids that we brought in from the inner city, where they're like, "Yeah, but he's white," right, and then. You know, as a white guy, you're like, yeah, but I'm I'm putting in a lot of effort because I do believe uh, there's nothing I can do about it. I I'm not going to put, I'm spot. not going to put yeah. like, I'm not going to put a blackface on just because you right. know, just to make it more real. Right, that's not going to make it authentic either. To make it, you know, yeah, 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 right, yeah. And and so it's a weird thing. It's like I would rather have the guy, I'd rather have all of us go and find a way to say something that matters. Yeah, you know, than than not. Right, I think you're right. Yeah. And I think that we, as a community, certainly from my perspective, we we look up to you. As I know that that I do my kind of advocacy for things yeah. as a writer and for that community, and we look at you for the the way you lead the way for being. Um, being who you are in the music industry, no matter what it is. And I love that your interviews are about being who you are. I love that you do, that you've, that you don't shy away from anything anymore. And I think um, I'm excited to see your influence over the next few years. Our generation of writers is really making a difference. And the reason why we're a community versus the previous generations is because we see what happens to the, there's a reason why there is a previous generation partly because they uh, they had their own cliques and they didn't yeah. communicate with each other. Yeah. And we as a community can grow together. And, you know, obviously if you ever need any help, you know, let me know, let the other writers know, because we have your back.
1: Yeah, well, And you. the
0: more you want to pursue adding that, you know, opening the doors for the gay community in the artists to the being professional artists and to actually be heard. Yeah. You have friends that are willing to help. Yeah. And Thank even even if even if I'm not gay, it doesn't mean that I wouldn't be happy to help, to help. Yeah. And when it comes to math and composition. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like sure, well, you have that... friends in this that you don't have to do it alone. I because appreciate that. We really do we are watching it and we really do yeah. appreciate your work.
1: Well, when we did the the single for the Orlando tragedy, yeah. the amount of people that jumped on board in two seconds yeah. to help was amazing. Yeah. It, I really saw whether it was Interscope, whether it was Julia, whether it was Blood Pop, like everyone was like, tell us what. What you want, and we yeah. will do it. It was amazing. Great. So, the last thing I'll say is that, like, I think that everyone who has power in this business should do their best to help someone to not tell the story for the people without voices, to go and get people and ha- give them the voice. Because as hit songwriters now, people will take the meeting. Yeah. So go find someone on the fucking internet who is, has something dope to say yeah. and help give them the platform to say it. Don't say it for them. Give them the platform.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Of course. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of And The Writer Is. If you want to hear music from this songwriter I just interviewed, be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andthewriteris.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And the writer is is produced by Joe London, edited by Miles Bergsma and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to Jeff Sparger, David Silberstein from Mega House Music and Michael White. Until next time, this is Ross Golan.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row?